bots are different. They're not just the back ends of people. I need you to be honest with me. Oh, never, but go on. I keep hearing crickets chirping in my ears, and I'm like, have I finally lost it? Am I hallucinating crickets? Or is this like a summer sound? I don't know. It could be column A and column B. I appreciate you're not actually in the same city as me right now, so me being like, can you hear it? Can you hear that? Can you hear fucking crickets? Am I going mad? I know you can't really be honest. I don't hear any crickets, no. And the wild ice cream trucks are roaming around my neighborhood prowling for prey. So I think maybe Mm. they perhaps feed on crickets because I don't hear any on my end. I thought they fed on children. Well, both. I think they like get some of the vitamin D, you know, from the crickets. And then like the children is a bit more like the treat kind of thing, you know? I kind of have this idea of the ice cream man as being made of ice cream and eating himself when he can't lure innocent children into his van. That took a dark turn. Okay. Let's take a step This is the podcast and I feel that's too much for our podcast. Please don't Maybe. say those things again to me ever. Please, thank you. Yes, good. Ever, ever. Never. We don't want to imagine auto cannibalistic ice cream men. No, no, thank you. No. Sucking on their lollipop fingers. Okay, I will. Mm. I will have to show you because I've got a cricket, and now I've gone insane with making t-shirts. I can make t-shirts now, and they're fucking incredible. I don't know how you went from cricket to t-shirts. I made a t-shirt saying I'm a dog person, but then I put like a sort of anthro woman who is like half dog, half person. Mm. So it's like, I'm a dog person. And then in brackets, definitely not a werewolf. So it's like, you know, the ice cream man made of ice cream, a dog person who is definitely not half half dog, made of dogs. Yeah. Three dogs in a trench coat, that kind of thing. So that's, that's how they related. I'm very smart. I can relate things real good. Speaking of segues. (laughs) Awkward pause. Crickets. Fuck. I don't have one. You kind of sound a bit weird, by the way. Like you're talking with a handkerchief in your mouth. I always fucking do. (laughs) For some reason, it's shit on Skype. Oh, it's gone away now. Um, You kind of sounded like your voice was shakily robotic, but not quite robotic. Kind of like you were morphing into a werewolf. That's interesting. Yeah, now suddenly you're back. I like it. It's good. I just, I was like, I'm a dog person. And then the powers came upon me and I was like, no, no, not now. I'm busy. I've got things to do. Suppress, suppress. Like the film Turning Red, which I'm assuming you haven't seen, although it is fucking amazing. It's a lot of movies there. I've been watching the Hobbit trilogy. Oh, come on. Come on. You're not watching Encanto, but you are watching the fucking worst movies in existence, the Hobbit trilogy. I'm not sure if it's the Stockholm Syndrome, because I'm doing a Lord of the Rings reread with my book group. That's where nice. it's the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, Silmarillion, the 12 volume, you know, History of Middle Earth. It's fine. It's perfectly normal. <laughs> and I think think the Stockholm Syndrome has kicked in and I kind of am enjoying the Hobbit movies now. Now, now I did just have a small tirade just then, just now, two seconds ago, but I also mm-hmm. kind of enjoy them, even though they are terrible. Like, I watched the Sonic movie, the new one. It's so good. I loved it so much because it is a terrible garbage movie. That was just fun and I loved it. <laughs> if I have garbage movies. I probably do. You're watching The Hobbits! If I could do an edit that's like some parts of the first movie, take out the 
song of them washing dishes keep the snog bit and then the rest is in the toilet that would be great the dish part is canon that's what Bilbo Baggins hates I canon. do you want Tom fucking Bombadil in the Lord of the Rings trilogy is that what you want is this where we are Philippa I'm getting angry I think we need I'm not even gonna I can't I don't even have the energy to talk about the other good thing that I wanted to talk about I'm angry with you (laughs) Tom Tom Bombadil Tom Bombadil stop it right Blue his jacket we, is and Philippa, his boots we've been are over this. yellow. I can't have the Tom Bombadil argument with you again. Well, speaking of Tom Bombadil, everything's awful forever. Yes. I am Queen of the Nagas, Jessica Byrne. I'm Philippa Evans, and my hat is blue and my boots are yellow. <laughs> so today we are recording on an Easter Sunday. Happy bunny and mm-hmm. chocolate day, everybody. Cuddly rabbits eat some chocolate. Eat some chocolate and eat some rabbits. I don't know. Cuddle some chocolate. Don't eat some rabbits. Maybe don't do that. Don't eat chocolate either because it's made by slaves. Oh no, everything is fraught. Everything is awful forever. (laughs) So I don't really actually remember what Easter is supposed to be about other than like it's chocolate and bunnies. So I thought I would treat us to like a fun little like Easter episode that is tangentially related in a kind of six degrees of Kevin Bacon type way because I only just remembered that it was Easter today. And so I was like, oops, um, should I connect this somehow? I had a relative text me this morning Mm-hmm. With the phrase "He is risen," <laughs> <laughs> this is at like six a.m. Thanks to my Lord of the Rings thing, I immediately thought of Sauron. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! Frank oh I thought of a new thing to complain about. The, oh, yeah? the, not the Netflix, the Amazon season of thingy looks bad. It does. But yeah. I'm going to hate enjoy it. Me too, yeah, yeah. Like, because of all the incels on Twitter <laughs> going, nah, Tolkien's vision is ruined, precious. Black people, black, how God. dare you? Black yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, same, same. <laughs> Speaking of black people, <laughs> Easter? Easter? <laughs> Jesus was black. He was um, Arabic, so... Yeah, anyway, how can I relate my episode to Easter? So, uh, the Bible, there's like floods and stuff in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a big, big one. There's, uh, Jesus probably did some floods and things, or <laughs> undid floods, probably more like Wine it. floods. Wine floods, fish floods. He walked floods. on water, he probably made the water. Just to show off, he'd be like, look at this. And it was like, that was a town. And he was like, yeah, it's a bitchin' <laughs> town now. Let's all go swimming. I know one of them did like parted a sea was that jesus no that was moses (laughs) so what we all know what what the bible teaches us is that floods are bad actually but i submit to you philippa i can't remember your last name at all it's been three years it's fine i don't know what you look like anymore (laughs) that's a flood It's just water. Measly, flimsy, pathetic water. What's water gonna do? I love water. There's nothing better than a fresh, crisp, cold glass of water, right? Water's great. A steamy, hot shower. Water's amazing. It's also really, really weak. I got into a fist fight with water, and you know what happened? It evaporated, didn't it? Do you and water want to get a room together or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone seems to always go on and on about, oh, floods are terrible. Oh, they kill thousands of people every year. I say to you, as someone who has successfully punched a river, 
<laughs> you ever thought about how much drama a non-water flood could do? Ooh, okay, so I'm sensing drought? No, Philippa, <gasps> a non-water flood. I want to guess, but in case I guess correctly, maybe I'll have to take it out. Yes. The big treacle incident? Um, yes. <gasps> I'm so good! I also have um four instances of non-water floods. So prepare yourself it. for four different things to happen. I love that you're like, this is related to Easter. <laughs> well, you see, how it's related to Easter is because of the Bible. And the mm -hmm. Bible is in all of us. And God is everything. And he is floods and stuff. The, the Bible is definitely, so in some of us, sign up to our Patreon to learn of the man who injected himself with a fucking book. So, first of all, we're going to go to Boston on the 15th of January, 1919. The Purity Distilling Company, a subsidiary of the United States Industrial Alcohol, was in full swing. They weren't making any booze for drinking, but this was industrial alcohol used in manufacturing for munitions and explosives during World War One. So basically, there was a huge demand for this very quickly. And so the Boston Purity Distilling Company had a very, very big factory built right on the waterfront on the commercial street in Boston. The alcohol was made by distilling molasses. So molasses is a thick, it's black. It's like this thick, syrupy byproduct of sugarcane and sugar beets. I'm glad you're in giving the science behind this, because did you just say that alcohol was made from molasses? This kind of alcohol was. Huh. Not not all alcohol. So like the alcohol that we, they were using here was because after all the pirates and shit had gone around plundering and pulling slaves in the Caribbean to making them do all the things with sugar and distill sugar, there was this huge amount of byproduct of molasses, which was mm. one, delicious, and two, they had a fuck ton of it. And then they found out that you could make alcohol from it and that alcohol was really cheap to make, really easy to make because of all the leftover byproducts from sugar. So mm. it was win-win for everybody, except for the slaves, which is never win. Someday the slaves will rise, I suppose. But not today. Today we're talking about molasses. Yeah, many pirates, like I said, pirates, because I'm still watching Our Flag Means Death. I'm sorry I started without you, Philippa. I couldn't <laughs> resist. Betrayed. I know, it's so good. I haven't finished it because I was like, I got too guilty, but it is incredible. Anyway, so like pirates would steal molasses because it there was huge quantities of it available and it was a really sought after commodity because it was used as a sweetener, mostly for people in the US. Because I hadn't really heard of molasses, which is why I... Like, I'd heard of it. Like, there's a popular saying about you being as slow as molasses or like, get the molasses out of you. I don't know. Again, I'm not American, so. I just know that the word molasses sounds incredibly American. Molasses. Yeah, molasses. I always think of molasses and sassafras. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Sorry, and, America. And like old Americana kind of 1950s expletives, like sweet sassy molasses, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> So sweet, sassy molasses, they needed a huge storage facility for all the molasses. <laughs> so, oh no, that's how I'm going to say it now, Philippa. We are obnoxious. Yeah. So yes, they needed a huge storage <laughs> facility to begin their predictive hu predicted huge production of industrial alcohol. So they had a huge storage vat built, and this was designed to hold 2.5 million gallons of liquid, which is about 3.5 
1.5 Olympic-sized swimming pools worth. Did you notice that I said liquid and not molasses? So it was 50 feet tall, about 90 feet in diameter. Uh, to convert that, that's about 15 meters and 27 meters diameter. So it's about the size of it, like a two story house. The modern age! What a marvel! What a huge vat built for huge amounts of liquid. But here's the thing. Different liquids don't all have the same properties. So what may be good for, say, water isn't good for a heavy, viscous fluid that expands mm -hmm. hugely in heat, gets really thick and heavy in the cold, just as an example. Also, the war is raging, so you get stuff done really quickly because these things would get thrown up fast because they needed it here and now. So the steel supports were too thin to support the full vat of molasses. And also there were some fundamental design flaws in this vats in like the rivets weren't designed well enough so when they first installed it and they first filled it up there were some stress cracks that began to form so being sensible people they opted not to fill it to capacity very often so in its entire run it was filled 29 times and in only four of those instances it was filled to capacity the first time they did it, it groaned and creaked like a giant hungry monster. And people would walk by and be like, Ugh! and then it would sort of like settle in like it was like, mm, okay, then. And people would go, it's all fine, and then carry on. The bubbles glooping ominously on the surface. But also when it was really, really full, it would begin to leak. And if you imagine it, it's like this oozing, hideous black ichor, like this thick, tarry syrup just sort mm. of threateningly seeping out of the sides. And then all the workers begin to lick the structure and... Ugh. And it's, then it just becomes a big orgy, like in the film Perfume. So on the very 30th time it was filled... Like I said, molasses is slow to pour, and yeah, it's an American saying about it being slow. I don't know what it is. Tweet at us what it actually is, because I don't <laughs> actually know. But it's like it's it's a lot thicker than syrup, so it is very, very, very slow when you pour it. But this is where science comes in, and I'm a woman, and so I don't understand science. But I'm gonna slap you in the face with the sticky, sticky open palm of science facts. <laughs> so molasses is a non-Newtonian fluid. It's a bit like custard, basically meaning that the viscosity can change based on the amount of pressure that's being applied to it. So you can actually run on top of a pool filled with custard. Isn't it that way you mix like water with corn flour? Mm -hmm. And yep. if you're really like, if you move your fingers slowly around in it, it's like a liquid. But if you try to punch it, it suddenly becomes really hard. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a non-Newtonian fluid. So oh, I felt scientific just talking about exactly. that. Exactly. So yeah, like there was an experiment where they filled like a small swimming pool with custard and corn flour and people could like run on top of it. Then as soon as you stopped, you would just start to sink in. But then when they did that experiment, they were like, oh, like, ha, ah, this is cool. Oh God, get me out. And then the more they pulled, the more it sort of like sucked Meredith you in. died <laughs> for science and custard. So basically, the long and the short of it, it kind of becomes like a solid when force is applied to it. So the tank, right? The tank was filled. A Puerto Rican shipment of molasses filled the tank all the way to capacity. It groaned and creaked, but seemed to settle until it didn't. At about 12.30 on the 15th of January, the tank exploded. And the 
basic principles of fluid dynamics meant that this thing was fucking flowing. When the tank burst, it released a tsunami of molasses, the initial being about 12 meters high. Can you imagine a tidal wave 12 meters high? And it was also traveling at 35 miles per hour. Oh my god. This was the great molasses flood of 1919. So you're like, oh, how cute and funny, a wave of syrup. I bet everyone was sticky for weeks. Ha 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 Did people put pancakes instead of sandbags by their door? Ha ha ha. How disrespectful of you, Philippa. People died. <laughs> so these 35 mile per hour waves smashed into houses and leveled buildings. It flowed as a deadly wave that slammed into things and with its non-Newtonian fluid ways, it was like being hit by a fucking train, basically. So it would like slam into something and like knock it fully over. So it's not just like water to cutely splash and swirl around it. No! When sudden force is applied to it, it becomes a solid. So it destroyed and flattened everything in its path as it flowed out, knocking over buildings, pushing over cars and trucks into the river, and any poor sod caught in this almost pyroclastic flow of molasses. Anybody was fucking crushed to death by mm. it. Not drowned, but no, like being hit by a train. At worst, as the worst of the wave slowed down and it died out, it still rushed out onwards, damaging property, knocking over and trapping people. So the response to the disaster was cl- was quick, but while the epicenter of the tank explosion was the worst, the rescuers just couldn't get anywhere near it. Because... It was incredibly sticky. People were stuck in this tar-like substance. Why are you laughing, Philippa? People are dying. (laughs) What a way to die, though. Like, you're going to work and you die by non-Euclidean... No, non-Newtonian fluid. Non-Euclidean is Lovecraft. (laughs) Science. Science. It's the same as fiction. Exactly. Same thing. Cthulhu drill. Yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. So, like, yeah, people were stuck, and you're thinking, like, oh, they're just, like, caught again, or sticky. Eat their way out. Ha, 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 eat their way out. No! <laughs> if you were caught in it, you were injured, and it basically, like, sucked onto you and held you in, like, quicksand, so the more you struggled, the more it sort of, like, <sighs> consumed you. Feeling claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. But when, it, when I was reading this, I was like, the molasses flood, ha, 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 and then it was like, oh, God. Like, because many people were actually drowned in only about a foot's worth of it because the more you struggled the tighter it held on and i think that was this must have looked like a fucking nightmare this hideous black liquid swallowing everything up slowly consuming it like some kind of eldritch abomination Mm. hungry to devour live humans scary so rescue teams had to wait for hours and hours before the syrup had warmed enough for it to become runniest they could safely traverse oh, it but then the corpses yeah i know just sort of like mm. stuck in floating around like honey mums. yes <gasps> let's get straight to the top so they eventually tried to like wash it away with the um fire engine hoses and they tried to get their extremely stuck and helpless victims out as soon as possible. But again, they had to wait for hours. In the end, 150 people were terribly injured and 21 people fucking died. Mmm. Take back all your laughs. Cleanup in the aftermath was also really laborious and difficult because this impossibly sticky substance just was uh, 
aware. Have you ever gotten like honey on your finger a tiny bit and then suddenly everything you own is inexplicably the stickiest thing in the land? It just doesn't go away. Let me tell you, Jess. Yes. You and I have worked for the same place we have. where we are allowed to have our own little box with things uh. <laughs> that we can put inside our little box. Yes. In which I put a bottle of honey oh. for my tea. And one day my honey fell over in my box oh. and well, oh. things were mummified. And it is sticky to this very day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just really hard to get rid of as well. Once the stickiness is there, it's just kind of there forever. And the river was reportedly a thick, horrible brown for weeks, and fish died because they oh. weren't used to the huge amounts of sugar and processed shit that was there. And people say that it smelled like molasses for decades afterwards, especially on hot summer days. Better than the great stink, I guess. Yes. Well, I don't know. People fucking died. <laughs> Sweet memory. Oh, Aunt Mildred. <laughs> so let's slowly extricate ourselves from the molasses of this podcast and trudge stickily onwards to the workhouse. The orphans are hard at work making alcohol. No, not from molasses. We've learned our lesson. There can't be any kind of horrible, deadly flood involving alcohol, Jess says, foreshadowingly. But while they're making alcohol for us, I think we have a bit of time to do some rumor. Tell me more, I say, sipping my bootlegged brandy. Have you heard of Mayor Palmer? Tell me more. Sip, sip. Sip, sip, delicious. Mm, often tears. In 1755, Mayor Palmer helped Giacomo Casanova escape from prison. Mm. Maya carved an iron bar from a spike. Don't ask me how. And they hid the spike inside an armchair. Again, don't ask me why prisons have armchairs. I don't know. Comfy prisons. Very good. Like, it's those Norwegian prisons. The good ones, you know. <laughs> so, during lunch, Maya passed Casanova the spike by hollowing out a Bible and hiding the spike in there. They slid the Bible under a plate of pasta. Don't ask me why they needed both the Bible and the pasta conce to conceal the spike i don't know but then when they slid over the bible casanova picked it up and together they went into casanova's cell with the spike to carve a hole in the prison cell ceiling letting casanova escape to successfully lustfully pork his way through the world and into the history books once more what happened to maya left in the prison don't ask me i don't know maybe they stayed there forever maybe they also were like oh maybe i could use the spike bible thing and pastors there also. I was gonna say, wouldn't you stay for the what's a pasta? Rigatoni? Is that a pasta? <laughs> I th yes. Yes. For the linguini. Absolutely. So thank you very much, Maya. Your patronage has really helped support us through all these hard times. Hard times on the horizon, hard times now, but the middle bit was good because of Patreon. So thank you everyone also Patreon. You can join our Patreon to do good things, Philippa. This is where you come in. We Join us for the linguini. Casanova's gone off for the cunning linguini. <laughs> That was my contribution. Did I get, did I do good? Okay. I think you weren't listening to what I was saying because you were trying to. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. You were thinking of the joke. It's fine. <laughs> 
Join our Patreon. We have things. Sometimes it's at awful forever. No, patreon.com forward slash awful forever podcast. We have Twitter at awful forever pod. I think all that rumor mongering, talking about Casanova, thinking about alcohol, it's got me in the mood for some more floods. How do you feel about that? Biblical. Great. Let's go. Come with me, Philippa, now to London in 1814. We're in London in 1814. Remember that thing that I said about foreshadowing? Don't pay attention to that. It doesn't matter. So let me talk about how booze was made back then, just for no reason. Just as like a little, um, just like a little little, little interest topic. So back in then, the fermentation process would be done in these huge wooden casks, which is a very stupid thing to do because fermentation is a very gassy affair and wood is not a very giving material. So you either need something that could expand really easily or have so a lot of air can escape during fermentation. Not so in a very large wooden barrel. A 22-foot-high wooden fermentation tank, that is. This has the equivalent of 3,500 normal barrels of brown Mm. porter ale inside of it. Mm. Why am I talking about this in relation to floods? (laughs) No reason. Well, on 17th of October, 1814, one of the iron rings that held the tank in place snapped, and then the whole tank burst, Mm. releasing yet another 15-foot-high tidal wave (laughs) of non-water. So the crashing wave of hot fermenting liquid completely destroyed Mm. the back wall of the brewery, as well as several more stored vats of ale, which then only added to the mass of the wave. It was growing! Human grows ever larger. So while it isn't a non-Newtonian fluid smashing into things with the grace of an orc with a giant hammer, beer is a lot runnier, which means that it can get into more spaces that molass- than molasses would be able to. As um, almost all places in London in the 1800s, St. Giles Rockery was a slum of overcrowded, destitute people horribly smushed together in cheap housing, filled with criminals, sex workers, body snatchers, all that good shit. So the wave of beer hits them, sweeping away people, <laughs> reportedly flattening two houses, and what's worse, flooding the basements, causing them to collapse, which killed two people trapped inside. That's where people keep their corpses, though. Listen to our episode on burial. <sighs> that one's not a Patreon one, though. We should only plug the Patreon ones, Philip. <laughs> we need Don't listen to money. our older episodes. Those are rubbish. They're done. They're in the past. We're always looking forward, except for when there's money involved, in which case, only look at the past, because we don't have any episodes coming out yet, because Philip is taking a break soon. Ironically, the wave of alcohol took out the wall of a pub killing a teenage barmaid who was trapped inside. That's sad, but still I laugh. That's the tagline for the podcast. (laughs) It's sad, yet I laugh. Overall, eight people were killed by drowning or collapsed buildings trapping them. As for the aftermath here, they didn't really need rescue teams to unstick people this time. The people were happy to roll up their sleeves and do their parts to go (laughs) rushing into the streets to helpfully remove the beer in whatever containers they could find. So helpful, so thoughtful, so altruistic. Some even helped by drinking the beer straight from the streets, which resulted in a ninth death Because he died of alcohol poisoning. Still safer than drinking water in that time. So you were saying about how the English are terrible drunks and (laughs) what a classic (laughs) thing to do to like just drink and die from street beer. I'd do it in a hot second. So 1875, 
Dublin. We've all learned our lessons here. Proper storage of alcohol is important. So anyway, on the 18th of June in 1875 in Dublin, not beer this time, but whiskey. So there was a fire in the Lawrence Malone's bonded storehouse in the corner of R.D. Street. The exact cause of this fire is unknown, but that's not the important thing. The fire, the a fire is a ten a penny. We don't give a shit. We want to know what happens to the whiskey. The fire raged through the storehouse. <laughs> this is an aside, but um, I put because it's I put here that the it raged through the um the storehouse, heating up all the hogsheads because hogshead is a measure of barrel because they all have different names. I remember like the what episode were we were we talking about how I wanted a Nebuchadnezzar of wine. Oh, bedlam. I don't know. Yeah. Don't listen to our past episodes. Worthless trash. It's in the past. It's derivative. So they are like barrels all have names like that as well, but they all sound like goblins' names. They kind of sound like <laughs> the shitty goblin seven dwarves. So from the smallest to the largest, we've got a pin, a firkin, a kilderkin, a barrel, oh. a punchin, a ton, a hogshead, and a butt. A butt. I mean, I was going to laugh at Kildekin, but then the five-year-old in me was like, butt. But <laughs> I love these seven, uh, the seven goblin dwarves, like hogshead and butt. But they my went point on their is, own quest. Yeah, to get real fucked up. Really, really drunk. Just steaming, stinking pie-eyed drunk. Because a hogshead is like one of the largest of the barrels. So... It's big is what I'm saying. Hogshead of barrels, very large. They all began to burst because the fire was heating up the whiskey inside, which was like, you know, boiling it and then the steam inside and then they all burst. So there's suddenly a river of whiskey running through the streets of Dublin. It wasn't flattening houses or destroying things this time, though. It was just sort of like cutely trickling along like, wee, everybody ready to party. However... It did result in 13 deaths. Oh. Each one from alcohol poisoning. As the whiskey ran through the streets, the Irish folk ran to drink from it with cupped hands or jugs, drinking their little Irish fill of the beautiful brown gold that was in the streets. And then everybody was rushed to the hospital because they all drank fucking whiskey from the streets, you absolute idiots. Just their tolerance must be out of this world. Yeah. Maybe, I, I don't, maybe I'm stupid. I don't drink a lot. I know that I always talk about how I'm drinking beer on this podcast, but it's kind of the only time I do drink beer. Mm. And just like two cocktails will put me to sleep. I have to go home and take yeah. a little nap and, you know, soak up the alcohol with a sandwich. How much do you have to drink to die? I know. I just... I feel like I puke before it gets to that stage, but then again, I have a one on constitution and everything makes me puke. I mean, look, we've all done a tactical chunder here and there. Oh, you need but... a tactical now and then, but yeah, I just think I, I just think I physically wouldn't be able to get to that point. <laughs> I just, yeah, you need to like work at it, I think. Also, I'm 33-year-old woman. That basically means I'm dead. Sometimes when I try and do things as if I'm a 20-year-old, like drinking a lot. <laughs> Stand I up. I like standing up too fast. The other day I coughed and it really hurt my side and it just like my side just went nope and I was like okay coughing's out then cool great. The other day I reached for something and suddenly my shoulder gave out. What is I just every day you wake up and there's a random pain. Aging is wonderful. <laughs> so the alcohol 
It, don't store it. It's a bad idea. It poisons and kills everybody. Drink it all immediately, except don't. The last one that I have is... it's This one's different, because we've learned our lessons here. Proper storage of alcohol and liquids. We've gone from a very gooey, slow liquid up the scale to a beer, mm-hmm. and then up even further to spirits, which is basically like half gas. Mm-hmm. So what about full gas? The great fart of 79. <laughs> so in Donora, Pennsylvania, America, there was a small farming community in the 1900s. Simple people living their glorious Americana lives full of molasses. Romance. Molasses growing sassafras. Do you grow sassafras? <laughs> is sassafras a product or is it a crop? I was thinking it was a herb. It's a herb, is it? Is it a herb? Who knows? Okay. Listen to they're, our Patreon. They're growing sassafras and they're growing molasses and they're putting on the glass <laughs> and farting out their asses. And farting out so, their asses. Look, America, we're very sorry. No, we're but- not. Fuck you. <laughs> and you sassafras. We don't know what that is and that scares me. <laughs> oh, I put here, this was going to be a callback to the thing that I was going to talk about in the beginning of the episode, but you didn't let me because you were speaking. Now I know how, how you I? feel. Oh, this feels horrible. I don't like it. But basically, I'm making oat milk. What I was going to say in the beginning of the episode is I've graduated from middle tier millennial to top tier millennial. I'm making my own oat milk. It's delicious. Where do they, Where do you find their nipples? Well, yeah. In fact, I do actually have what I'm now calling my oat milk sock, which <laughs> I fill with it. So it kind of becomes like this boob that you then like mm. milk. <laughs> You're sort of like milking this oat milk tit. Is yours disgusting and watery or is it delicious and creamy? It's creamy and delicious and frothy. And I put a little bit of salt in and some honey Mm. and it's amazing. Maybe I'll try that. I wasn't impugning your milk. I was just Mm. seeing if it's better than the store-bought oat milk. Milk? My teat, Philippa. (laughs) Sup from the milk of my teat. I shall, mother. Wonderful. Mm. There's a callback from a million years ago. From Patreon. It's okay. You can do callbacks to Patreon. Listen to our Patreon. Listen to our Patreon. So anyway, the American people, as they do, making their oat milk, and then everything changed when the corpo is attacked. So in rolled in Carnegie Steel. I'm talking Lorax style shit. They brought up, they bought huge amounts of land, made a giant fuck off factory in the middle of this glorious, like, cute farmland, and they had like a dozen furnaces in industry baby by 1908 the amount of railroad traffic to this tiny town of dorona was the highest in the region so this factory was a pumping the things were a making the factories were churning and the land being used and they were making like steel and zinc and steel wire and they were all being made to fuel the ever-growing demand for industrialization. (laughs) So kick a fucking chicken out the way, move over Betsy the farm cow, we've got iron to make. So the sleepy little farming town soon became like a steel mill town, like my hometown, Scunthorpe, which (laughs) Yes, that's a real place, don't at me, which, despite its tiny, tiny, tiny population, ranks third highest in pollution of the whole of the UK because of the steelworks that are there. Great. Mm. 
I'm sure that's just a coincidence and nothing could ever go wrong. And how bad can this possibly be? On the morning of the 27th of October, a few days from Halloween, there was an unseasonably mild spate of weather. Almost no wind. The air was still and silent. The morning fog from the river rolled in, as it usually did, but this time it had a sort of yellowish tint to it and a noticeable Mm. odour. The fog was normally burned away by the midday sun, but instead of getting lighter, it got thicker and heavier. Do you smell eggs? Did you fart? Like... 70 squillion times? Yes, I did. But also the fog is bad. Carnegie Steel Dutch ovened the village. <laughs> they they kind of did, though. <laughs> they kind of did, though. As the townspeople gathered for the Halloween parade, the becostumed people looked even more terrifying as they lurched outwards from a <sighs> swirling urine-coloured fog. Why isn't this a horror movie that we can watch on Netflix? Maybe it is. And we should. And if not, we'll make it. Netflix should just listen to our show because the amount... They stole our pirate series. Fucking Taika Waititi did, the bastard. <laughs> the glorious bastard. So, the thick fog was real scary. The curse of the spectres must have been real because the very next day, that's when the deaths began. Mm. People poisoned from the horrific fumes in the air. 20 people were dead by the end of the 31st of October as the thick fog hung around town. A third of its 14,000 population was sickened by the deadly fog and hospitalized. It kind of feels like a bad Stephen King novel, novel, like the deadly fog coming swirling Mm. in to take people's lives, you know, but it happened. What it was was like sulfuric acid, nitrogen dioxide, and fluorine, all we usually blown away by the wind and mixed in the atmosphere, weren't because of this like weird like little pocket of weather, which meant that there was... I looked into it, I wrote it down, and then I deleted it, so I've forgotten <laughs> what it's called. I'm not a scientist or a weathertician. It was, was a wi- no wind, it's bad, bad no wind. So all those horrible chemicals mixed in the air because of this weather hanging around, and it hung around for about four or five days until hmm. the rains came to wash them away, and the air finally cleared. You'd think that they would have thought of that? <laughs> but the industry needed to be done. That said, listen to our Undark episode on the Radium Girls. Corporations care. Is that a Patreon one? Philippa? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Breathing in the fog, Jess. I can't the damage was done, though. Five days of breathing in poison is all it takes. Stop sneezing, I'm talking. <laughs> Jesus. I'm allergic to you. You know you're not allowed to sneeze in the post-COVID era, even though it is a still current COVID era. Please go away, COVID, I'm so bored. <laughs> I'm in my own home alone, and I feel guilty when I sneeze. I had a cold the other week, and I was doing a test every single day because I keep forgetting that actual other illnesses still exist. And I was like, but it, it has to be COVID, right? Yeah? I'm flying home in two weeks, and mm. so as soon as anybody approaches me, I'm like, get back! <laughs> You're wearing 17 <laughs> masks and a full bodysuit. I bought like 50 masks for the plane journey back home, and I'm going to wear them all at once. Good. That sounds good to me. So, um, back to the deaths, back to the misery. So, by the end of November, 50 people had actually died from further complications from the horrible poisoning or lung damage caused by the smog. If it had gone on just one day longer, experts predict that 
thousands of people could have died. Survivors were said to have lungs looking like survivors from gas attacks during the war. So sadly, it often takes massive amounts of death for politicians to start doing anything. And this incident sparked several lawsuits and helped jumpstart the Clean Air Act of 1963. You know, 20 fucking years <laughs> later. Which basically meant that you can't just pollute the fucking air like crazy, corpos. Come on. So happy Easter, everyone. Watch out for Eggs. fast syrup. Don't drink too much street alcohol. Don't breathe because it's going to kill you. Enjoy bunnies, chocolates, and eggs and all that sort of shit. Wholesome and very Eastery. Very The most Eastery episode I think we've ever done. Just crawl into a tomb and roll a big stone in front of the doorway and you should be fine. I thought the boat-based disasters were bad, but now I suspect that alcohol and I guess steel. Worse. Basically factories are bad. You just need to do... Alex and I went to the garden centre yesterday and bought a thousand seeds. And yesterday we spent all day sowing seeds so I'm growing my own food and herbs. Mm. And so I'm like, look at you going to the shop buying coriander like a fucking chump. I'm going to be eating coriander in a year's time. Mmm. <laughs> yes. Fucking chumps. And then also making oat milk myself. So basically just make everything yourself. Make make booze from molasses make steel yourself make oat milk it's all a lie i've got an aquaponics aquaponics hydroponic which yes. one has the fish i can't remember hydroponics is okay. for plants all right i got the hydroponic uh, little system that i keep in my kitchen and after three months i'm happy to announce that i have grown one chive a chive <laughs> we celebrate we did this massive breakfast with sausages and yes! potatoes and then we cut up our single chive into some scrambled <laughs> eggs it was a marvelous celebration i've lived in my house for about five six years now no maybe it's like seven yeah seven years that's crazy what's time is a flat circle I <laughs> so the previous owners left us a fig tree and a peach tree and the fig tree is, is extremely dead it just it has like one leaf a year and then withers away and dies and it's bad but one year the peach tree produced one peach and i treated this peach like it was my fucking child i was so it was tiny <laughs> minuscule as well you know how peaches are like palm-sized beautiful bumps mm. this was like Put your thumb and forefinger together, and that was how big it was. Just this tiny little bum, and I loved it more than anything. And when I ate it, it was just like flavorless and <laughs> shit. But I was so happy for this fucking peach. And that was like three years ago. I haven't successfully produced another peach, but I feel it. This is the year. Gonna get some peaches. <laughs> Every year I grow strawberries, and each plant produces one tasteless watery oh. strawberry and i'm like mm, you see i don't need you grocery <laughs> stores i'm growing my own strawberries i'm growing my own rabbits I little too. more like what's all you do when i'm selling all my strawberries little more like little use to me i eat my single <laughs> strawberry and then snort a chive Six months hard labor. Who's the millennial now? Now who's the millennial? Fuck you. <laughs> and I guess with that, some things are nice sometimes. I've kind of said my good thing. I'm flying home in South Africa. Flying home in South Africa? Flying home to South Africa in two weeks. So this is going to be our last episode for a while. We will resume when I return as Philippa the White. And I guess that's an 
abundance of good things, and I also really need to pee, so there's going to be another flood disaster if we're not careful. Oh my god! Let's go up here! <laughs>